read out of the book of Matthew chapter 2, just two verses of scripture. And I do have a word from the Lord I want to share with you today. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. I'll be reading from the NIV translation. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. I want to preach to you this morning for a few moments a message I've simply titled, After Christmas. After Christmas, if you will, pray with me and for me. Father, we thank you for your presence that I feel right now in this room. So very rich and so very real today. God, we thank you for the baby whose birth we've celebrated this entire month. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who gave his life on that cross for us. We thank you that he's always with us. He's never left us. He's never forsaken us. God, we thank you for that today. But God, in the next few moments, I ask you that you would just decrease me until I am nothing. Let your Holy Spirit be increased within me. Don't let me speak my words, but let your word come forth today in the power and the demonstration of your spirit. Anoint every ear to hear, every heart to receive, God, what you would speak to your body, this local church today. And God will give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do in and through your word in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Now give the Lord one more hand clap of praise before you're seated today. Amen. I don't know about you, but I think it feels good in here today. I could just about have cut loose and scared some of you half to death. Amen. <laughs> After Christmas. Listen, we are living in the closing days and moments of another year. The holiday season, as we know it, is quickly drawing to a close. All of that, and I know some, several of you will relate with me today, but all of that rush... And all of that preparation and all of everything that we do has culminated in a few hours of hopefully some quality time that was spent with family and friends. I told Angie next year I want to have the tree up and the house decorated by Veterans Day and watch Christmas movies from Veterans Day until uh, Thanksgiving because after Thanksgiving it's on like Donkey Kong. Can I get a witness? I mean it's all you can do to keep up with everything that's going on. But all of that rush and all of that preparation has culminated into just a few hours probably of some quality time spent with family and friends. All of the gifts have been opened. The food uh, has been devoured. Anybody else eat too much? Amen. And for some, for some, for those of you with OCD, you don't have to raise your hands. We know who you are. But the house will be put back to order before you get up tomorrow, right? For some of you. Um, the hectic pace of the holiday season can many times leave us longing for a break, right? Just a rest. We want a period of rest. What some may have spent months preparing for seems like it's almost over before it even begins. And many times we find ourselves at this 
this juncture, if you will, with just a, just a hint, just a little bit of, of melancholy. It's like a, a bittersweet. We don't really know how to feel about it. The garland and the glitter, the lights and the decorations, and, and all of the, if you're like me, I love the scents of cinnamon and spice and all of those things. But they're just kind of, all of a sudden, it seems like you snap your finger and it's just a recent memory. And then next week comes and we replace all of that with just the regular mundane routine of another day, everyday life. The glory of Christmas, if you will, is past. And the new year looms ahead. And for many people, they begin to dread what's the new year going to hold. Some people look forward to it with anticipation. But I want to tell you this this phenomena, if you will, of Christmas and the celebration and, and, and the glory being over, it's not, a, it's not a new development. Matthew and Luke both record the beautiful story of the first Christmas, the wonderful scenes of the shepherds, uh, the angels, the manger, and the wise men. That's all familiar to all of us. And around here, we've talked about it for a solid month. How Mary must have felt as the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. And the Holy One that's going to be born is going to be the Son of God. Imagine how she must have felt. What glory. We can't even imagine the glory of that first Christmas. But the Almighty God of this universe collided with humanity in a way that he had never done before. In the book of Genesis chapter 4 verses 4 and 5, Paul said, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that's you and I, that we might receive adoption to sonship. And in the words of, a, of an old hymn, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Some of you know that hymn. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. I want you to imagine the awe. We talked about the awe a few weeks ago. The fear, which we also talked about. But also the glory. We haven't talked a lot about the glory. But the glory that the shepherds must have experienced as they were joined in the field, if you can imagine, with heavenly hosts of angels all around them. Luke chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 and we've read this several times. I'm going to read it one last time during this season. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory, say glory, and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. The King James Version said sore afraid. The NIV said they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. How many knows in the day we live in we could all use some good news. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. See that doesn't mean as much to us because we weren't living back then, but they needed a Savior. They needed a Redeemer. I want to tell you something. No matter what walk of life you come from this morning, we all need a Savior, and we all need a Redeemer, and you don't have to wait on Him anymore. 
For today in the city of David is born to you a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now listen, you talk about a, a change of scenery, if you will, in that time. Because few people in, in, this, in this time period in Scripture, few people had ever seen the glory of the Lord. And yet he chose to allow the lowly shepherds, as I talked about, the least of these to experience his glory. And then we read that wise men came from the east to see the newborn Savior. And what the very nation he came to save could not see. Think about that. The very nation that he came to save could not see. You had the Magi who discerned it from afar that this was the Messiah. This was the Son of the living God. And in great anticipation, they inquired diligently as to where the, the king of the Jews would be born. We read in Matthew chapter 2. Verses 9 and 10. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Or the King James said they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. What a glorious birth. I think we can't even fathom or imagine. What a glorious star that they saw shining in the east. What a glorious time it was to have been there during the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. No wonder they were rejoicing. No wonder they were celebrating. And the words of the, of the familiar carol that we sing declare the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. You see, the scenes of the biblical account that we have heard, we've heard them so much that they've become a part of the tradition, thankfully, of everything else that we associate with the Christmas season. We know the story. But what happened after the glory of Christmas? What happened after all of that pomp and circumstance went away? When the angels are silent, the star had long since faded. The stable, the manger, the swaddling clothes were all distant memories. Mary and Joseph, think about this. You think your job is hard. They had to begin the tedious task of raising a family and making a living. But the one they were raising was the Son of God. Now imagine that. See, a lot of y'all's kids, if I question them right now today, they know your mistakes. They know when you slip up and say something you ain't supposed to say, right? They know when you get mad, you know, uh, I, I'll never forget, I heard a preacher when I was a kid, uh, and you had to know my mama, if you knew my mama, my mama was a stickler. She was a hardcore Baptist woman, but... Uh, uh, and there's nothing wrong with being Baptist. I was raised Baptist, but I want to tell you, it wasn't the way most of you perceive today. My mama thought everything would send you to hell. That's the truth. Wasn't allowed to go to the movies. Wasn't, I mean, all my Pentecostal friends could do things I couldn't do. And she'd say, I don't care. I ain't they mama. That's what she'd say. But anyway, um, uh, I, I remember uh, the, way that, the way that she raised me. And I remember a preacher when I was... Uh, probably maybe an early teenager or close to being a teenager say one time, don't tell your kids to shut up. Now listen, I'm not preaching that you should tell your kids to shut up. But he said, don't tell your kids to shut up when he was preaching and teaching. So I made mom mad and she got aggravated at me and she said, shut up. 
And I said, Brother so-and-so said, don't tell your kids to shut up. She said, I said, shut up. <laughs> so your kids know uh, your, your mistakes and your mishaps. But think about Mary and Joseph. They were raising the child of God, the son of God. The shepherds, though, let's talk about them. They had to return to their flocks. They had to return to their work. Some of you will go back to work tomorrow. The, the, the quiet existence of solitude that had been their lot for untold generations. They dwelled out in the fields by themselves watching over the sheep. Have you ever thought about how unexciting of a job that would be? But that's what they did and they had to return to work. The wise men had to return home. Although they had to return a different route if you read the scripture than the way that they came. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But yet things were not the same. And I don't know if your mind can even allow you to imagine this, but I want you, if you will, for just a moment to imagine being Mary with me for just a moment. Mary will never forget the things that she has experienced. Can you imagine? There will be days when the angelic encounters will seem just like a surreal memory, and it was nothing more than a dream. There will also be there always will also be the whispers of those who didn't buy and believe her story. That that was the, ch the son of God uh, who was the child uh, of the Holy Ghost, conceived of the Holy Ghost. There will always be those who don't buy that story. And then there's the challenge and the awesome responsibility of raising the son of God. Hardly what any of us could consider for everyday life. The shepherds out on the hillside would never be the same. I'm sure that there were many nights uh, on that hillside side and around the fire that there were stories that they talked about the eventful night that the child of God, the son of God was born. I'm sure they rehearsed those stories and maybe there was a wishful uh, heavenward gazing, if you will, uh, of the generations of shepherds that succeeded them that the legend had been passed down to who just worked out there at night wondering, will we ever see anything like that again? And perhaps all of the players that set the stage in this wonderful story, in this drama, the wise men best understood the magnitude of everything that they had seen because it was the wise men who came seeking after the child. They came looking for him. They had studiously poured over the ancient writings and astrology and all of these different things and diligently inquired until they could have the reality of what they traveled so far for and that was to see the only begotten Son of God. But yet when they were ready to depart, in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 12, I didn't give them this scripture, but the word said that they were warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod. So they departed into their own country another way. I want to tell you something this morning. When you encounter the glory of God, your life will never be the same. You can't go back the same way that you came once you've experienced his glory. Can I get an amen, somebody? Now, it's the account of Mary and Joseph that, that best portrays this thought, if you will. We can hardly imagine what they went through in their minds. And uh, during this extremely exciting, but yet also extremely emotional time. They had the angels appearing, and the shepherds coming to worship. The magi bringing gifts, and this special, bright, super bright star in the sky. It was almost more than our mortal minds can even comprehend even living through. The glory of the advent scarcely has time to become a memory when there's such a drastic 
turn of events. But our text totaled the angel's warning to flee to Egypt. This is what I want to talk to you about today. Egypt. Do you know what Egypt represented? Egypt was the land of bondage. The land that represented everything that was pagan and sinful. Have you ever stopped to think about this? Why would they, Mary and Joseph and the child, be called upon to go to Egypt? Have you ever pondered that question? Could God, if he could allow his son to be born in such splendor and such glory, could he not protect this tiny infant and his earthly family that God himself had created? Where were all of the angels now when they were fleeing to Egypt? Where was all of the glory that they had just then experienced previously? I want to tell you something this morning. Welcome to life. I said welcome to life. After Christmas, after the glory of Christmas had departed. See, this day is much like that first Christmas so long ago. Our lives are much like those whose stories we've just relived. The glory of a Christmas just a few hours ago is already uh, uh, becoming a fading memory. And like so many of life's greatest moments, there's a sense of letdown uh, when, when when everything's said and done. You know, like you, you spend all of that preparation and then when everybody is done with the gifts and you've got all that mess to clean up, it's almost like, uh, it's a letdown. And perhaps it come from reaching the peak that we've been striving to attain to. The letdown may come from not reaching the goal that we desired. And sometimes the letdown comes because there's a loss of direction, a questioning I'm talking about a letdown in your life, a questioning of where do I go from here? What do I do now? Uh, It's what we experience, listen to me this morning, the Egypt experience. Sometimes it's what we are going to experience right after the glory. Have you ever thought about that? The Egypt experience. See, we're not really told about what happened during Jesus' sojourn into Egypt. We're not privy to the whys, if you will, of the situation. But Matthew records it, that it happened so that it would fulfill the words of the prophet. Now, there's many speculations that we could propagate. Uh, Perhaps it would uh, allow, it was to allow Mary and Joseph to gain perspective maybe on their lives. Maybe it got Jesus out of the public eye. Possibly it was to quell the rumors that were circulating around the virgin birth. But regardless of what all the reasons were, we can be sure. Are you listening to me today? We can be sure that even though it happened right after the glory, it was all a part of the plan of God. It was all part of God's will. I want to tell you, after the glory, there's always a time of re grouping and reflection and maybe that's why the new year is set up on the calendar to come just a week after Christmas because it's a time of new beginnings it's a time for fresh starts it's a time to reflect on where we've been and also where we're going it's a time to regroup it's a time for some of us to reevaluate our priorities and our goals have you ever thought about some of these stories and how they were affected after the glory After the glory of the flood, we find Noah offering sacrifice in a whole new world. After the glory of Mount Carmel, we find God speaking to a burnt out Elijah in a still small voice. After the glory, Jonah finds himself 
perched under the shelter of a gourd, waiting for the destruction of Nineveh. That was after all of those hundreds of thousands of souls were saved. After the glory of Pentecost. Think about Pentecost. We see Peter. Where was he at? He was on his way to another prayer meeting. After the glory of great wonders and miracles among the people, guess what happened to Stephen? He was stoned to death. After the glory of the Damascus Road experience, we find Paul in Arabia being tutored by the Holy Ghost. Listen, as you reflect this morning on the passing holiday season and on the events of this past year, let me direct your attention to some far more weightier matters. Many people in this room today, I believe, and listening and watching online, have experienced great heights in God. Maybe you've been on the mountain with Jesus. Maybe you've seen things in the Spirit and in the Word that have greatly impacted your life. You've received definite direction from God in your life. Maybe God has used you in mighty and wonderful ways. But the glory of those times and of your dreams, maybe that's become a distant memory. You feel that you may have been sent to Egypt. You feel like maybe you're in a land of bondage this morning. You don't see the plans that God gave you ever really coming to complete fruition because of something that has happened in your life. You are living after the glory. What is next? You have no idea. But this is what I've come to tell you this morning. We do not always live on the mountaintop. There will be times that we have to go through our share of valleys. There are valleys of depression. There are valleys of indecision. There are valleys of lost focus. There are valleys of deep questioning. But I want to tell you this morning, don't you forget that God's plan is never to leave you in the valley. God's plan is never to leave you there. But God uses those valleys to lead you into greater glory. To lead you into greater service and into a stronger anointing. Into larger influence. Sometimes when you go through the valley, you can influence other people that you could not influence before you went through that valley. Sometimes God leads you through the valley to lead you into a deeper relationship with Him. The glories of the past are not the only glories that you'll ever see. God has a greater plan. God has a greater glory for your life. Just as we are changed, the word says, from glory to glory. So God desires to lead us from glory to glory. I came to tell you this morning, persevere through that Egypt experience. Now most of us don't like an Egypt experience. Most of us don't understand the Egypt experience. I'm sure the last thing, think about this. The last thing that Mary and Joseph wanted to do after the glory that they had experienced of that first Christmas was to pack their bags and run for their child's life. You ever thought about that? I'm sure that's the last thing they wanted to do is run to a place like Egypt. I'm sure they probably didn't understand why God would even allow such a thing to happen to them after they had seen and had experienced such glory in Bethlehem. What they did know was they didn't like Egypt. What they did know was that Egypt was far from the glory. It was not a fun place to be. What they did know is that they didn't want to be there. But what they didn't know 
was God was sending them into Egypt to save their baby's life and for a new plan and a better, greater purpose. I stopped by to tell somebody in this place this morning, don't you curse your Egypt experience. If God brought you to it, God will bring you through it. You just keep holding on to God's hand in the darkness. Some of you may not know what it's like to hold on to God's hand in the darkness, but I do. You just keep holding on to God's hand in the darkness, and you just wait till you see what's on the other side. See, Jesus didn't stay in Egypt. He returned to Nazareth. Nazareth was not the most desirable place to live either. Yet it was here that we read Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You see, the nowhere land between the mountain peaks and that valley is the preparation ground for your next great encounter with God's glory. Moses met God at the burning bush on the side of a mountain. It was many years and many trials later that he again met God on another mountain where he received the law and the Ten Commandments. Then after years of wandering in the wilderness, he went to the mountain to look over in and view the promised land. Were the years in between wasted time? Absolutely not. The valleys, some of you need to hear me this morning, the valleys are where the ministry takes place. You don't minister from the mountaintop. You don't minister because you've been on the mountaintop. See, the mountaintop's where you receive direction. But it's after the glory. When you go through that valley, is when you're able to help somebody else and impact the life of others. Amen. I want to share with you this morning a poem written by a guy named Howard Thurman. Many of you have heard of him. He's a famous poet. Titled The Work of Christmas. I gave this to you to put on the screen. It says, When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry. To release the prisoner, to rebuild nations, and to bring peace among brothers, to make music in the heart. As they come to the music this morning, I don't know what some of you sitting here today may have been through. I don't know what you may face tomorrow. I don't know what might be looming just around the corner. In your life. But this I know. If you find yourself in Egypt. If you find yourself in a place you don't want to be. If you find yourself facing something that you never thought you'd face before. And you don't even know how you're going to make it through. You know something this morning. You know that God won't take you to Egypt to leave you there. I said God won't take you to Egypt to leave you there. You realize and you recognize 
God gave me the glory so that it would sustain me while I was in Egypt. And I want to serve notice on the devil this morning because he's got some of y'all convinced that things aren't ever going to get any better. But I came this morning to rebuke him and serve notice on him that God will not leave you where you're at. God will bring you out. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. I said God will bring you out of that valley. Don't you give up. Don't you give in. You reach up and grab hold of that hand that's reaching down for you. And he'll lead you out of that valley. And when he does, you'll be stronger than you were the first time. If you'll stand with me all over the room this morning. Church, I believe that we've got some work to do. We've just came through a busy Christmas season. But the work of Christmas does not stop after the glory of Christmas is gone. Did you hear me? Just over a week ago, we provided an entire Christmas for over 75 children. That's commendable. And I thank God that we were able to be a part of that. But can I tell you something today? Those children are still living in those same conditions this morning. The work of Christmas is not over. Two weeks ago today, when I gave the invitation, we saw one person saved and five people rededicated their lives to Jesus. That's something to celebrate. But I want to tell you, there will be folks undoubtedly that come through those doors next week that need to have that same experience for themselves. There may be somebody in here this morning that needs to have that same experience for yourself. Many of you have had your own glorious experiences recently. Maybe your own personal flight to Egypt is just right around the corner. And maybe for some of you, you've been dwelling in Egypt for some time now. Mm. And God sent me to tell you this morning, just hold on. Whew, you're almost on the other side. Hallelujah. For I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. There is nothing that can separate you from me. No height, no depth, no principality, no power, nor any other creature shall be able to separate you from me. I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. Have I not said in my word, I'll never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will go with you all the way, even
heaven unto the end of the earth. So do not fret, do not worry, do not fear, for I am with you and I will bring you through this, saith the Lord of hosts. If you will, just lift your hands all over this room. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the speaking of your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you today that you have promised us in your word. You are with us through everything that we face. Every circumstance, every problem, every trial. God, you'll never leave us. We thank you today for your word. We thank you for the manifestation of your Holy Spirit.